On November 10th, Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson reunite on the big screen as Captain Marvel and Nick Fury to assemble the MCU's next team, the Marvels. After Captain Marvel gets her powers entangled with teenage superhero Miss Marvel and Captain Monica Rambeau, the three heroes will learn teaming up changes everything. Don't miss Captain Marvel's return November 10th in the Marvels, only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Get your tickets now. Don't miss The Marvels in theaters on November 10th and see where the Marvel stories all began when you watch Captain Marvel, WandaVision, and Miss Marvel only on Disney+. Plus. Plans starting at $7.99. Hey, listeners. Want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mm. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you, as always, for being our loyal fandom. (laughs) (laughs) We do love our fem fam. We do. We have a fantastic guest for you guys today, my friend Melani Wenska. She is a many multi-hyphenate, um, but she's a writer, actor, director, and we'll get into um, her artistic side as well during this Ooh. interview. I'm excited to talk about all the things she does. Um, I met Melani um, in quarantine virtually, um, much similar, similarly to how I met Elvira from earlier on in the season. Um, so I'm excited to get to bring on these awesome, talented women. So thank you, Melani, for coming on today. It's my pleasure. I love that you guys like are meeting virtually. Like how cool is that? Like we mm-hmm. can still connect with one another. So yeah, thank you so much, Melani, for, for taking the time in your morning. We were just going over how our days started. <laughs> and um, no, thank you for coming on. We're excited to hear about your journey and and why how you chose to become like so many multi-hyphenates. Like we talk about a lot in the show that when you start out independently you're going to be wearing a lot of hats and you're going to be having to really try to find your role in production. And, you know, and it's funny, as you try things, I think people tend to lean a certain way. So why don't you start us off and tell us what came first for you and and how did it catapult to the other things you do? Well, what came first, if I go really far back, was um, I was... um, I was doing graphic design. I just moved to LA and I started dating a producer. Oh. And <laughs> I was I met him through my job. I was I was actually I was actually working in the film industry without even having wanted to in the first place. I was a graphics designer. I got my degree in art studio and I um I ended up working for this guy who was 
filming opticals that were like the titles um, and the end credits for films. Mm -hmm. And I was designing those. And I met this producer because he was working with a lot of filmmakers. And um, he was a really crazy guy. But um, (laughs) after we were, we, after I stopped seeing him, he called me one day. He said, Hey, um, I'm making a film, you know, and I just need crew. Can you come out and help me? So I just went out. I had no experience and I just, he just threw me in and uh, I was, um, you know, one day I'd be, you know, running out like a PA to go get food for the crew. Another day I would be with, you know, with the guys just building like dolly tracks. I mean, whatever he asked me to do, I would do. And then one day he said, hey, we need an extra. Um, why don't uh, why don't you be an extra? And I ended up playing a cannibal. <laughs> they dressed me in like this little caveman outfit, cavewoman outfit. I had like, my hair was up in like a crazy little, I don't know, not even a mohawk, some sort of crazy thing. And, oh you know, God. I just, I was a cannibal for a day. <laughs> and after that, I was like, you know, the actors kind of have it good on the set. And I, I really enjoyed that acting thing. So I started taking acting classes. Mm. Um, and from there, I was, you know, pursuing acting. And uh, one day, um, one of my, you know, other people are always, who, you know, who end up uh, convincing me to do these things. Because I'm like, <laughs> just going along doing my own thing. I just never really cared. I was like, oh, I'm just pursuing acting. I love it, blah, blah, blah. And uh, my, one of my friends was like, hey, you should write, you should write a screenplay. And, you know, maybe you can sell it and maybe have yourself acted. And I was like, okay. So I wrote a script. You know, but I mean, I didn't know exactly what to do with it. So I entered it into a few contests and it didn't do anything. And then a few years later, I wrote, um, I was inspired actually by an experience um, in Hawaii. It, uh, it was uh, it was my grandma's funeral. And just, there were just a lot of really funny things that happened. Because um, I was there for a month to just help out my dad and help out the family. And just, and a lot of people had traveled to participate and just a lot of things, funny things happened with their family. So I wrote a screenplay about that. And um, that one actually made it to the semifinals of the big break contest. Nice. So I was like, Oh, good. Yay. And then then one of my friends said, Hey, why don't you make a film? You know, why don't you make like a a short, you know, proof of concept. And I was like, sure. Why not? (laughs) So I made that film. And, um, I didn't really, that, that's the thing is because I've been starting from scratch and this is about 10 years ago. I've, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really know what to do with it back then. It was before film freeway. So it was just, um, it was the other one without a box, mm-hmm. without a oh, box was wow. really expensive. There were a lot of festivals. So I, I entered it into a few, but I didn't really, it didn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's so much competition in this, in, you know, Amongst, you know, filmmakers, there's so many filmmakers that you really numbers game and enter. And so, but I didn't let that bother me. Um, since then, I've made uh, two more films. Uh, well, actually, three more films. I com- completed three more films. Nice. And um, uh, I, I uh, also am 
and post on my fifth film, my fifth uh, short film. These are all shorts. And that's just in the past 10 years, right? That's in the past 10 years. Um, That's a lot to get done in 10 years. (laughs) Especially like not even knowing it was something you wanted to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, pretty much it's, it's, I've been mostly self-taught, but I had a lot of um, advantages just because of my background as an artist, because I understand the fundamentals of, well, visual fundamentals Mm -hmm. I was able to, you know, I'm able to do color correction, you know, um, as an actor, I'm able to, you know, I'm able to write characters, you know, I also, you know, learned to play music at a young age. So that helps me with the music part of everything. Mm-hmm. So nice. on my yeah, first film, I, I actually wrote all the, all the music and performed all the music on my first film. Wow. So but, like, listeners, when I was saying she's a many multi-hyphenate, like I wasn't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, well yeah. the funny thing is after that, I was like, no, 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 no. Don't do that again. Let the real, you know, music, the real composers do the music next time, you know. Um, right. And, and um, I mean, and no, that's not the big lesson. Yeah. You know, it's a collaboration. You know, you get great people mm-hmm. to work with. Mm-hmm. But at least you know that you are able to do it and you know how it all works now because you did step in and do it. So, you know, whether or not you're hiring yeah. someone else next time, you know exactly what you need from them and what you're looking for and all of that. So, yeah, yeah, it really, it really helps. It really yeah. does. Yeah. And I want to go back for a second um, to mm-hmm. when you started as uh, doing graphic design on films. I don't think mm-hmm. people realize like the opening and like rolling credits are a thing that like someone has to design, you know, can you speak yes. a little bit about that? Cause I wonder if that's something, you know, people that might be starting in graphic design that are interested in film, but they don't really know how to get involved in that world. Like speak to that a little bit, please. Well, it was really about, um, you know, it's really about typesetting, mm-hmm. you know, knowing how to manipulate the fonts. No, it's, it was really about, I mean, this is, for graphics design in general, you have to um, you have to know every font has a different mood. Every font, you know, some fonts are very um, handwritten mm-hmm. looking, and so that gives you more of a of a um, handmade feeling or more of a comic book feeling. Sometimes other fonts are very scripty. Um, as an artist, I've I've designed stuff for weddings, so you use really scripty stuff. But um, the the biggest thing that I discovered when I was doing that, and it's it's really about um, scale. Like you have to, what you design on your screen is going to look different, blown up twenty times on the big on the big screen. Right. But will also look different um, when someone's just watching it on their computer. So there's, there's all these, there's a lot of considerations as a professional designer that you have to take into consideration. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at your website as well. And I saw um, at this point now, you've been in quite a few festivals. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on that. And I think you said one of your films was in Cannes this year too, right? Well, that was um, not my film. That was okay. a film I, I worked on uh, as crew. Um, that's a film called Bad President. It's a, a political satire about um, Trump 
Okay. And um, I actually worked on that um, last summer as uh, the first AD. But um, that, that you know, but the, the funny thing is I also ended up, you know, when you're working on indie films, this is the thing is, is you have to be willing to wear a lot of hats. Yeah. And it's not ideal because that really takes away from the work you're doing at the time. But sometimes it's all you can do. You know, I mean, we showed up and we discovered that uh, we still had to do casting. Mm. So we would be shooting something and then in between scenes, I would run off and read a scene with an actor. Wow, you know? my gosh. And, uh, and uh, that was really, that was really crazy. Or, um, you know, or sometimes I would be doing script supervisor type of stuff, you know, trying to keep track of the scenes and make notes of the scenes for them. Or, you know, it was just, a, it was, it was a lot of juggling, you know. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talk about that a lot on our show of, you know, projects that we've done that we as the you know creators of the project have had to wear many hats but sometimes you forget like it's not just you who is creating the project that has to wear all the hats it's a lot of your crew too you know like that's just the nature of indie filmmaking like you said yeah it is and it really comes honest I hate to say it but it comes down to your budget yeah you know the more money you have the more money the more money you can send towards different positions on the crew you know, um, on the other hand, there's also a thing that especially happens in LA where the more uh, enrolling you are, the more people you can get to work for free. And as a producer, I don't really approve of that, you know, because I want to pay everyone on my crew. Mm -hmm. But I see it done a lot. And I see, you know, I do see people who are willing to work that way. Um, I was recently um, offered a position on a, on a web series, and I said, you know, I I mean, I said, you know, I could do first AD, I could do scripty, you know, or I could do um, you know behind the scenes video, but I was just like, you know, I I cannot do it for free. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm not willing to work for free because it's honestly it's like backbreaking, twelve hour days. You know, after, Absolutely. you know, it's so nice when you're an actor because you do your scene once you're done, you, you know, you take off. Mm -hmm. Whereas everyone else is working in the sun, you know, um, once they call, once they call a wrap, you're still there helping put away, putting away equipment, you know, having yeah. meetings. It's a lot of work. Definitely. It is. No, I love that you're sharing um, this perspective with our listeners, you know, a side that we haven't really like delved too much into is like the kind of the stresses and the pressures of like having to do all of that on an indie film budget. And is there like, I don't know, is there any projects you would still consider like doing a favor for or like coming in at like a, like a negotiated rate? because you feel passionate about it? Like, how can someone approach you who really wants you to get involved in a way that it makes sense and you feel valued for your time and it doesn't take away from your livelihood and the work you're putting out, if that makes sense? I, I would, like, how can someone approach that in a better way? Well, I mean, I say this and I say this for any crew member. It's really about, for me at this point, I've worked with a lot of people on my own films, on other people's films. 
And I have, um, for me, number one is about the quality of the crew mm -hmm. because I've worked with really great people and I've worked with really terrible people. Like the terrible people are people who I would never want to see again because mm -hmm. they're just like so God awful. But the great people, you know, I never, I'm like an elephant. I never forget. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the great people, even now, the people who I like, the people who are great to work with, I recommend them because like, you know, I have, I'm on different groups and I'll see jobs come up or people will email me about looking for crew and I will always recommend quality people. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, this week I recommended someone for assistant camera and another person for make, for um, hair, you know, so That's I will awesome. always... You know, it's so it's really about if the person if the person and the project are really great and really inspiring, yeah. you know, yeah. and if and it's also a lot about trust. It's like, you know, if you work long enough and um, and I'm not saying, you know, I do believe in the law of attraction. So I believe every person's experience is going to be different, mm -hmm. you know, so one a person who a person might always work with great people if they if, the, if that's what they're attracting. Um, mm. But for me, it's like, I want to see the proof in the pudding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, even with actors, you know, it's like I, having acted for so long, for a long time, I have met a lot of actors. And um, I have to see, I have to know that you can do the job. Mm -hmm. So even if a person is friends with me, it's like, I'm going to want to either read with them and see the, see the tape of the reading or, um, or I'll stalk them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's something like, Carlina and I have talked about too. It's so yeah. funny because like living in LA where so many of our friends are actors, yes. you just like assume that your friends are good actors and you have to stop and go, wait, I've never actually oh, seen no. act. I have to make sure you could act first, you know? Yeah. Tessa and, and I talk about this a lot. Yeah. yeah. And you have to make sure not just that they're good, but they can do what you're asking. Cause yes. I have found some actors can do one thing, but not another thing. Very true. You know, there right. was one guy and I just loved his look and I loved his vibe and he was really good at being angry, you know, but he couldn't cry to save his life, mm. you know? And I mean, unfortunately I found that out while we were already, while we were already shooting, you know, so <laughs> it's like, these are lessons you learn, but you know, you just take them with you and, you know, try to do better. Yeah. Yeah. So having dipped your toes in so many things, do you have a favorite? You know, it's hard to say. Um, it's like, I've done having I've I've really participated in a lot of different art forms in very satisfying ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's funny because one experience that I will always remember was like I I was when I was thirteen I played cello and I was part of of the orchestra at my school, and there was nothing there was nothing more magical than being in the middle of all that music. Yeah, you know. But at the same time, I left I left music behind kind of a long time ago. So, I mean, I love everything, you know, I, uh, I love all of it, you know, um, it, for me, it just depends on what, st what stage I am in my life. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, I love directing. 
I love acting. You know, I mean, I think for all the world, there's just nothing more moving than when you see, you know, a great actor in a great performance. Yeah. It, it just blows my mind. And that it always, I'm getting chills even now just thinking about it. Yeah. You know, how inspiring that is as an actor, you know. But then when I really knuckle down and I'm really writing, I'm just like so in love with like creating characters, you know, writing the words. I just love words, you know. But at the same time, I love filmmaking. You know, there is nothing, I mean, I mean, I, I'm sure you both can say there's nothing better than a day on set, yeah. you know, and like as a director, you know, seeing the performances, seeing what you can get out of your actors, you know, looking at the angles, working with your cinematographer, you know, working with a great crew, you know, when you have a really great crew of really great people, there's just nothing better. So for me, it's like choosing between, between children, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely I think, that. I think that's um, kind of awesome that you love it all and that you mentioned that it's just kind of where you're at. And I think that's kind of the beauty to producing and something that I've really grown to love about like being putting myself in this position and and learning all these skills because you know down the road like maybe I, I like I want to really focus on acting and I can jump in some roles and maybe I want to pick up some jobs where I can go back to helping write or or you know direct like you said and it's kind of it's really nice to be able to like mold that into your life when life is always so crazy and unpredictable and you don't know where you know, what you need at a certain time. So it's really, it's, that's really awesome to hear that's really worked for you and that you can congrats on being able to, to hone those talents. Cause it's so hard. And like, you also don't want to be someone who doesn't really get good at, at a particular skill set. You know, that's something that I psychologically go internal a lot and think about and like, okay, what am I getting really focused on? Because I think you do need to dedicate time to get really good. So I guess, what is something that helped you like really like, did you kind of batch it out over time? Like, hey, I want to really focus on acting for a period. And then let me, this writing then catapulted into directing. Like, can you talk about that process a little? Well, for me, mostly in my life and I'm, and, you know, as an evolving person, I want to strike more of a balance, but generally mm -hmm. I'm a one trick pony. You know, if I'm doing, if I'm doing writing, I'm like all in on writing, mm -hmm. you know, or if I'm doing acting, I'm all in on it. But the ironic thing is, you know, when you're working on films, you know, when you're working as crew and when you're meeting producers, as an actor, you can kind of network your way into a role, mm -hmm. you know, you, right. can, you can make your way into it. So, um, even though I was less focused on acting in like, say 2019, you know, I was doing more filmmaking and writing. Um, I still got to do some acting jobs, which was really, really satisfying. But yeah. you know, honestly, it's like when you're really going, when you're really trying to break into the big leagues, I do believe you have to be like an Olympic athlete. Yeah. It's like, you have to do a practice and practice all the time and every day, you know? So, um, you know, as an actor and as a, as a filmmaker, having seen a lot of actors, you've just really got to be in practice, 
you know, and I mean, having auditioned my actor friends, even though I love them as people, I'm like, there are people, there's people who I haven't cast because I was like, you know, she didn't really get it or he, he didn't yeah. really get it. Or then there's people, there, there was one friend of mine who I cast, you know, and I had been seeing people, I saw like, you know, six or seven people of the same, who had the same different, the same casting qualities, but my friend knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh my God, he did such a good do- job, you know, that's it. He He's cast. So <laughs> it's like, you've got it. You do have to focus. But for me, I have this, this goal of say, you know, like my dream and then, you know, and I haven't been able to do it yet, but my dream is to, you know, say do two hours of acting, two hours of writing, two hours of editing, you know, but I haven't been able to do it yet. I'm more like once Let I me get, know when once, you get there, girl. Yeah, I, <laughs> call right? me. You oh tell God. me how that worked out, and you tell me how you did it. It hasn't worked yet because what happens is I get a head full of steam, and then I'm like, yeah, and six hours has passed, and I'm like, huh? Okay, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> it's hard. Um, yeah, we had a we had a guest um, last season, Corey McComb, who's a writer. And mm-hmm. we, we touched upon creativity and fueling, like how to keep that fire fueling. And his, he brought up the Hemingway quote, which I'm not going to say because I can't like remember <laughs> things like that as well on my elephant brain. Nope. But um, <laughs> it, it goes to, it was something to the, to the matter, to the point of that um, you stop once you like are at your most creative like highest point like and then you like have to just stop and break away and that's Hemingway's way of continuing your creative flow so like right when you're like really into it got to put it down and and save it for tomorrow I can't do that (laughs) so like what you were talking about I can see why it's so like you just get in the zone with even if it's not it's not just writing even editing like I tell Tessa like rather just give myself this hard deadline and pull an all-nighter because like that's just how I'm gonna get it done (laughs) and also as an artist you know it's not a it's not an endless um you have to you it's you have to recharge yourself Mm -hmm. you know and that's what we talked about yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. you know it's like I mean it you know last summer or it was actually last may um in 2019 you know i was in a writing class and you know i literally wrote an entire pilot in about in about 5 weeks mm. more like well more like 3 weeks because you know uh, a lot of it was prep work like a lot of the class was prepping to to do the writing you know, working on the characters, working on the story, et cetera, and, and the structure. And then once you got writing, it was like, it just you know, jam it out in, in a very quick period of time. You know, there was one day where I wrote 12 pages in one day, you know, but yeah. then after that, I had to like lay down for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important to, yeah. you know, to give and it's like time. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know, it ultimately, it comes down to balance, you know, yeah. and I mean, and that's, you know, since, since last summer, that's what I've been working towards is alignment and balance, 
because, um, you know, it's like, I look at, I look at what I did and yeah. I did have some success. Yeah. I have had some successes, you know, but I haven't really broken through yet. But I, I, the thing is, the funny thing is it doesn't bother me because I view it as being like a fruit, you know, and I see, I see a lot of people in the industry being in a real rush. They're just like, Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. Why haven't, hasn't this happened? And it's like, well, clearly the fruit's not ripe yet. Mm. You know, clearly, clearly you're not ready. Um, you know, it's like my, um, my, you know, my writing coach, he, he would say, you know, you want to do the rewrites on the script. You don't want to submit it to agents before it's ready, mm -hmm. you know, and honestly, yeah. you know, you don't want to submit yourself as an actor before you're ready. You don't want to submit yourself as a filmmaker for before you're ready, you know, because I have gone to those film festivals. I've been to a lot of them and I have some <laughs> seen, there are some films that have made it into festivals where, I mean, and it wasn't just me. Like, I remember once my sister was sitting next to me and we both closed our eyes and prayed it was over. Since some of the films <laughs> are so awful, you know? Yeah. So, and... I, I really love that, that you said that because I think yeah. it's hard for especially with social media to not compare yeah. yourself at, yeah. at the level you're at. And I think it's really just great to meditate and like reflect on your purpose and what you want and know like it's going to happen in due time. Like mm -hmm. yes. that, the pressure is really coming from yourself and yes. it's good to have some um, stress and like I, I feel like it, it is good to have some like like anxiety or to, it can drive mm -hmm. you. Yes. But like be like take I think it's important to be aware of like how much of that is really just negative thoughts that's not really helping you move forward or like you know the 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 driving factor. Yeah. And you know, so yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. honestly it's like you know that the thing is I view it as being, um, you know, you can see where success has happened for people at the wrong time in their life, where they have been brilliant and they have had the success, but, you know, things have gone terribly wrong. Yeah. You know, look at Heath Ledger, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, he was brilliant and amazing, yeah. you know, but he met an untimely end, you know, we're all the less for it. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's really about seeking the balance, you know, and preparing yourself, but, you know, and not even, I feel like also, um, and this goes for myself. I don't, you know, anything I say about other people, I, I always will apply for myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, just to let go of like this terrible need to succeed. Yeah. You know, mm. it's like, you know, it's like on one hand I saw, you know, I was in an, an acting class and there the, the teacher was talking about never don't let a day go by where you're, you're not like, you're not on your mission. You're not on your mission. And it's like, you know, it's, it's <laughs> you got to strike a balance. It's yeah. like, mm -hmm. you know, is, is the mission, and I've done this. Is the mission more important than your happiness? Yeah. Right. I would say your happiness is more important than the mission. 
when and I once, think you're, once you're happy, the mission will succeed. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And all, and also, you know, I mean, one one thing I will say um, to people is like, you know, it's like even like little things can. If I mean, and also if you're in alignment, of course. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's like I had a friend who put up a TikTok video. And it was just like him. I mean, of course, he lives in a wooded area, a, wood, a woodsy neighborhood, but he's walking through his neighborhood and there's all these deer that were on his lawn. And he was like, oh, my life is like a, a Disneyland movie. I mean, he had four followers, but that TikTok video got 250,000 likes. Wow. You know, so this is this is a really interesting time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. mean, I, I don't know what to say about TikTok. You know, I, I it's like... It's not my expertise, but it's really, these are really interesting times, you know? Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is you could make something that could inspire, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. So just, you know, on one just hand, be I'm open to it. Yeah. Right? And just like, don't, I don't measure success or what, like yeah. You don't know how it's going to be. Just be authentic to who you are and what you want to tell. I think that's just, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yes, yeah. yes. It's it's beautiful. Then, like, then focusing on the numbers or the likes yeah. or the whatever it is. Like, just have fun. Yeah. Just remember why you do it. You do it because you love it. And that's what yes. I think actually measures success. How happy you are. How happy you are thriving and, and your art and your work. Yeah. I am on this pedestal today feeling (laughs) it like let's go guys um you know one thing I do want to say is I've always been surprised at how much people can see into other people mm -hmm. like your friends can see right through you you know yeah and I mean but that's it goes for the same for audiences your audience Mm -hmm. will see your passion your audience will see your unhappiness your audience will see the emotions that you're putting into your work. I mean, it's very transparent. You know, you just, you know, you cannot, you cannot lie to the world. So that's why it's like, you know, the authenticity and the passion are like the most important thing about, you know, the work. Yeah. Amen, sis. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. thank you so much for coming on today. And, um, oh, real quick, tell our listeners, what is your website? And if you want to share any social media handles. Sure. Um, my website is MelaniWenska.com, M-E-I-L-A-N-I-W-E-N-S-K-A.com. It's also at MelaniWenska on Instagram and Twitter and um, on Facebook Melanie Marie uh, Wenska, but I may or may not accept any friends because I think on my Facebook, I just want it to be people I actually know. Yeah, that's how mine is too. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Same. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on today. This was awesome to chat with you about everything. Yeah, I really loved delving into like this whole what idea of success is and like yeah. the background of like indie filming and owning all those different roles and what it's like. So thank you for being honest with us and with how you, your experience has been and just open. And, and I'm really excited to share this episode. I hope it's inspiring to our fam fam. (laughs) We love them. We love, we love women leaders like you. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. 
Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in next time for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals over tea. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you leave us a great comment, we might give you a shout-out on the show. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 